Come along on our extravagant journey through the latest news, scores, hot takes within the world of athletics. It is now time for the first episode of Close the Playbook. My name is Ryan Michelson. Along the table with me is Matthew Mattyite-Strader. Matthew, how are we doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We're finally doing this. It I took know. long enough. But we're two years in the making. Two right years here. in the making. So we are right going to right get along with it. We are in the what? We're in the second week of the NBA season now. We are. Second week of the NBA season, kind of taking a look at our standings here. We have three undefeated teams within the lead. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, uh, who we'll talk about later with all their great trades that they've made this offseason. The Golden State Warriors, along with the Utah Jazz. Matt, what do you have to add to that? Um, I just, I, I like it. Uh, the Warriors being one of the undefeated teams, I think a lot of people had question marks coming into this year if... Uh, how they ended last year with not making the playoffs, and you know, no Clay Thompson for them until about January. I think it's I think it's important that they're they're undefeated. They got a couple good wins, couple couple close ones, but they're looking good so far. Right, and Steph Curry so far has been cooking this year like he's always going to. Um, but they're getting a lot of good uh, help from uh, their bench. They're they're a relatively deep team for uh, how young that they are. They have a lot of players that. Uh, aren't exactly huge names. They get Andre Godala back, who is someone that's definitely going to help them out. Um, but it's crazy how deep they are for a team like that. I know. One's really surprising player, um, Jordan Poole. I think yeah. it's his uh, second year in the league. He came from Michigan. Uh, he didn't really have that big of a role last year, you know. But this year, I mean, just watching from the first game of this of the NBA season, he was, he was the guy that kind of – Kept him in the game, kind of gave him the, the lead and held off the Lakers, who are also a very, very surprising team with this year with all the moves they've made. Right, exactly. Um, to, looking at the other teams that are undefeated, uh, the Chicago Bulls, obviously a lot of big news with them this offseason. Um, being able to pick up Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan, uh, two players that they're going to des- that they uh, that team definitely needed. Um, the Bulls really. Um, haven't been extremely relevant. They're around there with Zach Levine. They're sitting there. Um, but definitely adding those two pieces, it's definitely working out so far. Yeah, I think another key uh, impact player they got this year was Alex Caruso. Uh, he was a guy on the Lakers team when they won that championship that kept him in games, played great defense, got gave him scoring uh, chances. I think with, uh, you know, you mentioned Zach Levine. Zach Levine has always needed a point guard. That was passed first. Right. And Levine, one of his biggest downfalls, I think that I've kind of noticed throughout the years of his career so far, has been his defense. He's crazy athletic. He can score the ball at will. But his defense has always kind of been lacking, which there's a lot of players in the league like that that can kind of get away with it just because their offensive ability. But when you're on a team like the Bulls, who, of course, everybody knows the Jordan era. Right. They have a crazy franchise. They have history and everything that you'd like to see Levine put a little bit more on the defensive end. But I think with bringing in guys like DeRozan and Lonzo and Caruso and having Vucevic at the five, defensively, he doesn't need to be that guy. Right. He just needs to be good enough and outscore his matchup for the night. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the last undefeated team that we'll talk about here before we move on. Um, are is the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz last year, um, they were in the playoffs and they dealt with some injuries with Mitchell. 
Um, but now they're off to a good start. They've beaten the Thunder, the Nuggets, who are uh, definitely a contender, and then they've also beaten the Kings as well. Honestly, the Jazz, to me, uh, they're a good team. You know, I think they get they don't get enough credit for how good they that organization has become. I think a guy like Donovan Mitchell has is a top 25 player in the league, I think, since he's been a, really after his rookie year. You got a good defensive-minded guy in Rudy Gobert that can just stop anything that comes in the paint. The only thing about their wins so far this year is, you know, the Thunder, they don't really have anybody. No. It's kind of it's kind of an easy win. I think the Kings are still trying to figure stuff out. I mean, they're 1-2 and two on the year. They're not the greatest team in the world, but, you know, you have a good point guard in De'Aaron Fox. But then when it comes to the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets, like you said, are going to be contenders this year. But, however, they're, they don't have Jamal Murray right now. Right. And I know... Uh, uh, Jokic actually got hurt before half, and he didn't get to play the whole second half of that game. Mm-hmm. So that could have been something, too, that uh, it was kind of a big reason why they so far they're undefeated. I would like to see him match up against a, a good opponent and see how they can do, honestly. Right, exactly. All right, so taking a look at throughout the other uh, parts of the league, um, what are some big uh, big teams that are ranked right now uh, within the lead, just starting off in the second week, uh, that kind of really surprised you? Um. Well, if we're going off record-wise, I think two teams that surprised me in the Western Conference so far are the Grizzlies. Yep. You know, with John Morant, they should have, could have almost beat the Lakers. Uh, just John, John Morant missed that free throw to put him into overtime. And the other big one is uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. They... Arguably, right now, have the best defense in the league. I get it. It's only three games into the season. However, they have a good squad this year. It's the first time they've actually had a good squad, I feel like, in a couple years. And they're playing good. They're playing team ball. And they got that big three. They got Ant coming off a really good rookie campaign. I think he is going to be a superstar in this league for years to come. But they're looking good. They have a tough matchup against the Bucks tonight. And that's another surprising team. The Bucks. Everyone talks about how the Bucks should not have won the finals, how you can't count that, there's an asterisk by it because of all the injuries and blah, blah, blah. The Bucks are the real deal. Yeah. They are outstanding. You have the best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have a great second piece in Chris Middleton. And honestly, with Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis, both returning this year, looking to play big minutes, I think that team has a chance to make it back. And honestly, I think, they're the surprising team because everyone uh, kind of is already count- counting them out to go again. Yeah, that's so. it's so weird to think about it. It's like, of course, I'm going to have a little bit of bias, but they're, they're somebody that I look at, and it's like I've seen stuff in the news about them, and people are already counting them out. They're not going to beat the Nets. They're not going to, you know, they're going to be good in the Eastern Conference, but I've seen pe- people saying they're going to get bumped second round. And it's like I don't know what else it needed to take from last year's um, – finals run which was an incredibly hard one for them to be you know be respected and they don't I mean honestly it's at the point now where it's like I don't really give a fuck if they're respected or not it's they're at the point now where we're champions I don't really give a shit so um they are definitely I think they're definitely in the conversation again I think Chris Middleton is somebody that last year during the playoffs stepped up and he's actually a real deal and Drew Holiday was a fantastic grab by the Bucs um, to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. Um, he's just so much more efficient. And, yeah, it's like watching the Timberwolves. I mean, the Timberwolves, I mean, 
they're looking really, really solid just on their defense. How many turnovers did they have on their first game that they create? Um, the remember. first one they uh, they had 25, and then the second game actually they forced 30, right? Which yeah. is an insanely real amount of turnovers, especially for a team that has been notoriously bad at defense. Yeah. And I know that was something going into the, uh, this offseason that they wanted to really focus on, and I think that's good for them because, the, like when we were talking about Levine and defense, their starting point guard in D'Angelo Russell is not a defensive-minded guy. He is offense, offense, offense. Carl Anthony Towns is the same way, offense, offense, offense. But you get bringing guys like Pat Beverly, you starting guys like Josh Okogie, who are known for defensively-minded players that can put the ball in the hoop if they absolutely need to. And I think that's what's helping them right now is you're just letting your big three go. Yeah, they play defense. Yeah, they work hard. But you go score the points, the rest of the team will play the defense. And I think that's what's huge for the Wolves right now. And picking back off of what you were talking about with the Nets, they're a surprise to me this year. 2-2. Two and two, Um not really playing the best. I think James Harden so far to start out the year has kind of had a crummy season. Uh, Kevin Durant is looking like Kevin Durant. But for being the favorites to win it all this year, they're not looking good. And honestly, I think the reason why they're not looking good, they don't have Kyrie Irving. Yeah, that's a big portion of it. Kyrie Irving is huge. Kyrie Irving is a game-changing player that honestly... I think if he's on this team right now, they're three and one. They're possibly four and all. Yeah, I. It's like something with the Nets to me. It's like watching the Nets. Um, I mean, they're a team that has, I mean, a ton, a ton of offensive talent. I mean, they go out and they pick up uh, Paul Millsap this year, and they go pick up Lamarcus Aldridge, and they. Uh, I mean, I believe they're still they're still coming off the bench. And they're both, I mean, they're both very good offensive talent players. But it's like on that team, you look at it, I'm not, there's like no one on that team that really like stands out to me that can play good defense. I mean, who else would there be on that team that could play good defense? The only person that's really standing out to me that's playing good defense this year, I think, is Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant has never really been in the spotlight for playing great defense. Yeah. But he is 6'11", he has length, he is huge, and I think he makes a lot of the plays that people kind of just take for granted because they expect it out of him. Right, and he's going to have to play defense. And I don't think they have a clear-cut favorite, you know, if it's a Game 7 matchup, who's going to be guarding who, though, all like a lot of teams have this year. Right. I think that's something that could hurt them in the long run. I think that's something that, honestly, if they don't make a trade or do something about I think the Nets are possibly going to uh, be bounced early this year if they can't figure everything out. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's obviously very early, and I mean, there's a lot of games left in the season, but it's like we kind of look at the we kind of look at the records right now, and a lot of it is, I mean, it's kind of panning out sort of on the bottom tier of the list how maybe we think it would be with like Oklahoma City down there and the Houston Rockets. Um but yeah, as the year goes on, we'll definitely shape out to how we think it's going to be. Probably, um, I'm I'm going to move on to the the big news: Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Russell Westbrook. I got some takes on all of those guys. I think uh, we start out with Russell Westbrook talking about the Lakers. They're two and two this year to start out. Uh, you know, LeBron sat out last night's game due to a ankle injury or a calf injury. 
even though it was absolutely nothing. I get it. They're taking the precautions. It's early in the year. Davis also went down with a knee injury last night. That was, you know, that was big. Um, Russell Westbrook, he, for me, he just doesn't fit that system. He's a career 31% three-point shooter. He is a guy that needs the ball in his hands and let him go to work. And I think when you have him on a team like LeBron, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are both ball-dominant guys, I honestly think Russell can't play the way he wants to. And I think that's what's going to hurt them in the long run is Westbrook can't shoot. Plain and simple, he can't shoot. He's a freak athlete, can't shoot. Right. And I think in that system, if you're going to have LeBron bring up the ball and have LeBron be LeBron James, you need a guy that can just hit down that shot. And piggybacking off of that even, when Russell Westbrook comes out for, you know, duress or whatever, you have Rondo coming in. The other thing that I could think, though, is if they wanted to make it work out is put Russell Westbrook as uh, on the bench. Make him a six-man. Have him come out with that second unit and just let him go. Let him do his thing. He can still play 30 minutes a night. You don't have to limit him on the minutes. Just don't start him. Sorry, I think there's something with Russell Westbrook that it's, it's really interesting because, like you said, you have Rondo coming in taking his place You know when he is out. Russell Westbrook is somebody that can go and store his points. And, but he's somebody that needs the ball. Like, he needs the ball constantly. When he's on a team, he needs to have the ball. That's how he, you know, performs. And Brandon, he's a point guard, but you also have two other players on that team that need the ball. You need LeBron James to have the ball. You need Anthony Davis to have the ball. He needs to take more of a role this year um, <clears throat> in doing his explosive things that he does, as well as being that facilitator and that, you know, that rebounder, and he's obviously great at it. I mean, he's been averaging nearly a triple-double these last couple of years anyway. So he's somebody that's going to have to definitely take on that role uh, even more. And, I mean, I don't even know. Is he going to be able – is he going to be okay with giving up the ball that much to teams like – people like that? I have no idea. Um, I think for assist-wise, because I, I think he cares a lot about his assists and he cares a lot about his stats, I think assist-wise he's more than happy to give up the ball to – two guys who are arguably in the top 10 of the league right now. However, though, I don't know if he's okay with not being the point guard, not being the guy. And I'm just looking at his stats right now. I think in the first four games, he's averaging 17, 8, and 8, which is outstanding. Two steals a game also. However, 13.3% from the three-point line. Yeah. That is terrible. And career-wise, like I said, he's not good. His highest ever that I can see on here is about 34%. And I think, honestly, he might be a guy that they keep around until the trade deadline, trade him away, bring in somebody like a Bradley Beal, bring in a C.J. McCollum who is known for that shooting role, who doesn't need the ball in his hands, but yet is still a good enough player. I honestly could still see them making a deal with uh, the Portland Trailblazers for... Damian Lillard, I think that's something that would be exciting for the NBA. However, I also think it would have some negative feedback just because you have three top ten players in the league. and Yeah, you're just making – I mean, you're just adding more to that super team as it is. Ben Simmons. Let's talk about him. I didn't expect this to be this big of a deal. Well, I know he was mad at the end of the year last year with how everything was going, but – Honestly, for him to come out and say, I'm not playing ever for this franchise again, then for them to 
work out, whatever, for him to come back and do his thing. And he just doesn't want to be there. And we've seen this in the past in other sports where people hold out and they want what they want and whatever. However, for Ben Simmons, he doesn't have a lot of leeway. He's not somebody who scores you 25 points a night. He scores you maybe 10. But his defense is impactful. However, I just... I think that he's kind of... He's trying to get out of the place, but I also think he's making it worse for him because... The 76ers are asking so much, and no team is willing to pay for that unless he plays. Right. And he's not giving them any team a sample size on what he can do for you. If you're not playing, you're not going to get traded, and you're going to sit there for four years. And by that point in time, by the time you're out of there, no team is going to want you. You're going to be past your prime. It's going to be it's going to be a waste of time. So I think Ben Simmons needs to play. He just needs to play, needs to get over it. You can still want out, but play. At least get run up and down the court. At least show some teams like, hey, I am an all-NBA player. Right. But honestly, what are your takes on it? Honestly, I think that it is really sickening to me that some of these players in this league, they're getting paid all this money. And, I mean, what? how did this even get brought up? It's like he just doesn't want to be there anymore. It's- it got brought up last year when uh, everybody was starting to – question Doc Rivers on if Ben Simmons can be the point guard of the future for the 76ers. Sure, and then Doc Rivers said, I don't know. And Doc Rivers. Rivers said at that point, at this point in time, I do not know. And it, it comes from that series against the Hawks. There should be no reason why the Hawks won that series if Ben Simmons played how Ben Simmons usually plays. Right. Ben Simmons decided that, you know what, I don't want to focus on scoring. I want to play good defense and I want to get other people involved, which is fine. However, there's multiple times in that series where he had wide-open layups that he passed up, and then they did the hack-a-shack on him, and he was shooting 50% from the line, and that's something as if you're going to play the point guard position, you cannot have. No. You don't need to be a three-point shooter, a 40% three-point shooter, but you at least need to be a 60% free-throw shooter to 70 on a consistent basis if you're going to be playing big minutes, crucial minutes in a game because the Hawks exploited that. And it was obvious that Ben Simmons was not going to hit a free throw. And I think that's the reason why they didn't make it past. Yeah, I think that is. this is something where it's, you know, you can look at this, the, like the type, of, type of stuff that Doc Rivers said um, just about Ben Simmons wasn't sure if he'd be the point guard of the future. I get that. But Doc is somebody that is going to tell you how it is. So it shouldn't be really a surprise. He said things about other players in the past, you know, in the playoffs that have been, you know, edgy as well. But I think this is something that Ben Simmons, like, he needed to go to practice, and that shouldn't use his motivation for him. And for him to just, you know, be pissed off this whole time and not be able to go out and play, not even go to practice, it's horrible for his teammates. Other teams are looking at him like, we don't want that type of drama on this team. I mean, he's he's doing the worst for himself. And it's exactly. like, and it's, it's kind of sitting in the watch. It's like, I mean, he should just be going out and, you know, inst- trying to get better instead of, you know, honestly bitching and complaining the whole time, so... And I think, too, the 76ers are asking for an unreasonable price. They're asking for yeah. an all-star caliber player and draft picks, at least three first-rounders. I'm sorry, but Ben Simmons is not worth that. No. Ben Simmons himself is probably worth, um, you know, maybe a all-star caliber player and a first-round draft pick. But I would not give up more than that. And I know there's a bunch of teams that could use his abilities, especially on the defensive end. However, though... It all comes back to if he wants to play for them. Because I could see him going to a team, and if 
he doesn't get to pick exactly what team he goes to to be pissed and not want to play and continue this bullshit there. All right. Kyrie Irving is the last one on our list. Kyrie Irving. This is a touchy one too. This is a this is a political, this is a touchy, this is personal choice. I get it. However, the way I look at it is you got to do what you got to do to win in the world of sports. You may not agree with it. However, at the same time, it's not the NBA's fault. The NBA is not requiring you to get the the vaccine. No. The city of Brooklyn, especially the state of New York, is requiring it. And they were the ones who came out and said that Kyrie Irving is not allowed to play. Right. I get Kyrie Irving, why he's doing it and what he says his motives are, and that's fine. You can have your own personal opinion. You can have your own choice. You can have whatever. I just personally think if you want to have success in this league, if you want to be that player, if you want to be that guy, you need to put the team first. You need to get it. I mean, yeah, they told they said until he gets it, he's not playing any games this year. I think that's a little bit too far. I would have still wanted to see him on like away games. However, you only have him for 41 games, and then you know crunch time comes in the playoffs. And if he's not allowed to play, if they're if they're the number one seed, like everyone's predicting him to be, he's not allowed to play in 90 percent of the games if they're at home for that series. Like, it's just that's crucial, and that's something that is gonna be. It's gonna be a problem, and I get where they're coming from, but I would almost—I'm almost trying to think about some uh, trade possibilities with him, and I could see uh, the Lakers reaching out, pairing up uh, LeBron with Kyrie again, and I could see uh, Russell getting traded back to pair up with Harden and Durant, get that trio together again. I think that would be a fair trade. I think that would benefit both teams. Um, but I don't know, Kyrie Irving. I get he has his, he has his own personal opinion. He has his own stance on it. I just think he's not putting the team first. And I don't think he really cares about the team. But again, we're we're not him. We don't know what he's what he's thinking and what he you know what he's being told by other players, other coaches, staff, agents around the world. So I don't really know. I just think though, if he wants to have success in this league, if he wants to you know whatever, he's been controversial in the last couple of years. If he wants to kind of get rid of that, he just needs to. Needs to calm down, look, take a step back, and try to put the team first. Yeah, I, I truly support what he's like, what he's doing. It's like I understand if you want to, you know, you know, fight the rules of it. You're kind of in a state where you really don't. I mean, you don't have a choice if you want to go and play basketball. Um, I just don't know personally if Kyrie Irving is the right person to be doing this message. I mean, obviously he's a global. I mean, he's a global superstar. He's somebody that people know who he is. I mean, people wear his shoes, people see him on billboards, he's all around the place. But just with Kyrie Irving and how I look about it, it's like Kyrie Irving has been controversial in the past and the type of stands he's had. People start to not take him seriously anymore. So now people are going to look at it like, all right, you're just, you know, sacrificing your team for this message. And people aren't going to take the message as, you know, if it was a respectable player that was like, I mean, and I think Kyrie Irving is relatively respected, but it's, I mean, he's just had some stuff in the last couple of years where it's just like you look at him and just the way that he's been speaking about things. I mean, I just don't know if he's the right person for this message. And it looks, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I really don't. It's like 
will he get it? I mean, there's a lot of people telling him not to bat down from it. New York's not going to bat down. They don't care. So, I mean, I mean, the Nets are going to be bringing in so much more money anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, Kyrie Irving being there would maybe create more revenue. But without him, is it really going to make that big of a difference? Maybe, but probably not enough for them, them to give him and it's, you know, an exemption. And then if they would, that would be a totally different issue. Exactly, because I think if you give him, him an exempl- uh, exemption from something and then you take other athletes around the world, you take other basketball players that are also not not taking the vaccine, I think they're then going to be like, why is he special? Right. Why is exactly. he the one who gets this exemption? When I, if I was going to go play there, I would, I'm not allowed to travel with the team. And I think, honestly, when you play for a team like the Magic, where Jonathan Isaac, it's not required for him. Yes, he's in the Eastern Conference. You know, he's going to play the Knicks, and he's going to play Brooklyn at least a couple times this year, and he's going to have to miss those games. That's big. He's a great defensive player. I think that's huge, and I could see him possibly ending up getting the vaccine so he doesn't have to miss those games. However, on the flip side, if you're a, team, if you're a player like Michael Porter Jr., who isn't getting the vaccine, plays in the Western Conference, he's going to play against the Warriors because he, you know, has to miss those games. And he probably really won't play against the Knicks and the Nets that much until maybe the NBA Finals. Right. And if you're missing games in the NBA Finals, if it goes to Game 7 and they have home court advantage and you're missing four full games, that is crazy, especially with Jamal Murray out. Who knows if Jamal Murray is going to be the Jamal Murray that we knew from a couple years ago. Jamal Murray could just kind of plateaued now especially coming off of a knee injury and he's an explosive jumping point guard that Michael Porter is needed I think for the long-term success of the Nuggets and I think that's something that he may have to take into consideration so now we kind of dig into it and we're going to do our way 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 too early predictions just looking into the second week of the NBA season who sticks out to you for some awards this season or MVP awards? Who is your top MVP candidate so far this year? Uh, I have a couple. I think a guy like Luka Doncic is insanely good. I think he's a guy that's going to average close to 30, 12, and 10 every single time he steps on the on the basketball floor. Um, I think he is. He's in probably one of the best positions to win MVP. And if this year, if not next year, maybe both back to back. He's that good of a player, and he's super young. Um, another guy that sticks out to me is a guy like John Morant. John Morant. I mean, through the first four games this year, he's averaging thirty-five points. He is at the top of the leaders, league leaders. He's another guy, that guy that just kind of does everything for his team. Tries to win, plays hard, and I think if they have that the team has success, I could see him being up there. But then you have your typical, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Curry, LeBron, Harden, guys like that. Where they're usually in that kind of, they're always going to be in the mix. I think um, another kind of interesting one that would be I would like to see is a guy like Jason Tatum. I think Jason yeah. Tatum playing for. The Boston Celtics this year, they got rid of Kemba Walker. It's just kind of him and Brown right now. I would like to see Jason Tatum kind of step into that role and step into that superstar mentality because I think he has a lot, lot of upside, 
and I think he's going to be a top 10 player in the league for the rest of his career, honestly. Right. Yeah, I think Jason Tatum is somebody within the next three years is definitely going to get one. He's going to get one. I think if it's like if I'm going to look at mine, I'm looking at, like you said, Luka Doncic is somebody to me that it is just he's on the verge of it every single year. He's going to blow up, and he's going to get one. It's going to happen sooner than later to the caliber that people are putting him at, and he can blow up. The dude can... I mean, the dude can store the basketball. He's been able to store the basketball for his whole career. Um, he's just somebody that puts up points unlike anybody that I've ever seen before other than maybe Curry that is just able to store the ball at will whenever he wants to. Now, is it somebody that's going to be – is it going to be an instance where, you know, James Harden's going to be getting the ball a lot and it's like Kevin Durant during the playoffs last year had to play like that. He had to get 50 points in order to, you know, beat teams in the playoffs. Is he going to be able to, could he hold that throughout this year? I could see him being somebody that could, I mean, be up there in storing throughout the year and could definitely win another one. Yeah, and if we're going off of that, I think Kevin Durant, the one bad thing about Kevin Durant is the fact that he has to share the floor with James Harden. Not in the bad aspect that James Harden's a bad player, but in the aspect of James Harden needs the ball equally as much as Kevin Durant. Where I feel like some of these other guys that we have mentioned, you know, Luka, Curry, John Morant, Jason Tatum, stuff like that, they're kind of the main guy. They're the number one. And Kevin Durant is the number one on that Nets team, but their number two isn't far behind. Right. You know, you take a guy like Curry, if two years ago when Curry was doing Curry things or three or four years ago, wherever it was, Clay Thompson took a backseat role, but Clay Thompson didn't bitch and complain about it. Yeah. Clay Thompson knew what was happening. Clay Thompson could see the spectacular stuff that was unfolding, and he let it happen. I have a feeling, though, a guy like James Harden, as much as you can say he's a great team player and a great supporter, I don't think personally he's okay with taking that back seat all the time. And uh, to move on to like defensive player of the year candidates, you always are going to have Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, I mean, he's averaging 19 rebounds a game. He's playing outstanding defense. He averages like three blocks a game. But you take a guy kind of like Bam out of the bio, I could see him getting something one of these times. I think Giannis is always going to be one of those players that's that's kind of in the mix. And, you know, if everything works out for Ben Simmons, honestly, if Ben Simmons goes somewhere and starts playing at the caliber he can, I could honestly see him winning Defense of the Player of the Year for multiple years in a row, honestly. Right. I... I think maybe a little bit of a hot tape, but I could definitely see like somebody like Lonzo Ball winning it. Lonzo Ball on the Bulls, I mean, that team is going to be very, very good this year, and they're going to be an exciting team to watch. I think Lonzo Ball is finally getting a little bit more respect, but I think on this Bulls team, they can watch him defensively, and I think he's somebody that would definitely be in the midst too. I think the bad thing about Lonzo Ball, as much as I love Lonzo Ball and I love watching him, and I think he's a crazy good player, I think the bad thing that everybody's going to still take away is he was supposed to be this guy his rookie year. Yes, injuries have plagued him. He's finally on a team, but I still think people aren't willing to give him the respect that he deserves. And I think it's going to be hard for a point guard in today's league to win a defensive player of the year. You know, back in the day when it was... It really wasn't crazy blocks and crazy, you know, stuff. People were kind of just doing whatever they were doing. Foul, you could go with more fouls. I think you saw a lot more guards kind of in that, in those talks. But now, I mean, we can't argue that Lonzo isn't a good defender. Lonzo's a great defender. But I just have a feeling that they're going to swing it more towards a, 
a guy with a bunch of rebounds, a guy with a bunch of blocks, a guy with a bunch of steals. And I just don't see him having those crazy numbers that's going to jump out at somebody when they're voting for Defense Player of the Year. Right. I think moving on now, our last segment with the NBA. TNT um, and Turner, they came out with the NBA's top 75 players list for this year. There's no particular ranking between these players, which honestly I liked a lot. Obviously, it's commemorating the 75th year of the NBA this year. Kind of talking about a few of them. Obviously, there's some great players in there, but a lot of snubs have been uh, picked out. What out of those snubs, Matt, do you think are is definitely some of the most confusing ones? Uh, one of the biggest snubs that I have, honestly, so far in my that I've been thinking of is Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, I know he hasn't been the guy that started his career lately. He's bounced around from team to team, and he's, you know, whatever. But before that, before he left the Magic, he was a top center in the league. He was a top player in the league. He was outstanding. And looking at the list, too, I'm thinking guys like Kyrie Irving, Tracy McGrady, they didn't do a whole lot. They didn't do a crazy amount. They didn't win MVPs. However, though, they were crazy for the game of basketball. Right. But one of the biggest ones that I'm, I really, I, I just remembered it today, actually, was Mono Ginobili. He needs to be on that list. I'm sorry. He just needs to be. Mono Ginobili, to me, is very underrated when you're looking at players in the NBA. A lot of people forget about him. He's a four-time NBA champ. He's one of the greatest international players of all time. And, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's... A Hall of Famer, and yes, his stats weren't crazy, but if you're looking at the list, there's a couple people on here that their stats weren't that good either. Right. But Mono Ginobili changed the game of basketball. He brought in new moves that people weren't used to. He did what it took. He was on a team that had success for 20 years. Yeah. And won was four championships with them. Yeah, it's that big three. And it's like we were talking, I mean, you talk about it like, you know, when Kim Duncan retired, when Tony Parker retired, when Monty Ginobili retired, it's like those were big, those big three. It's like you take away one of those pieces, I don't think they wouldn't have been successful for as long as they would have been. So I think somebody for just the pure, I mean, the what he's done for the game in the international sense is gigantic. I was really surprised that he was not on there. It's like you can make arguments for maybe Dwight Howard not being on there, maybe... I mean, Draymond Green is a snub. You can make, I mean, arguments for that. I think that's good that he's not on there, you know. Donkey boy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's like I was surprised, like, Chris Bosh wasn't on there. Um, Chris Bosh is another one. I mean, you can make an argument for him not being on there. But he, I mean, obviously was part of the big three in Miami. A huge part of that. One of the best Raptors of all time. Um. Yeah, it's like I think a guy like Clay Thompson too. Yeah, Clay Thompson is like one of the greatest shooters that our game has ever yeah. seen. I mean, he could. I mean, he's a top five shooter. In, top five in my shooter opinion. of all time. So it's like I think it's funny too. I'm looking at this uh, ESPN report right now, and there's only two MVPs that were excluded from this list. One is Nikola Jokic. Granted, he is very young. We he'll get on there eventually. He will make the top 100 list whenever that comes out. But right now, he hasn't done enough f- 
for to be on that list, and I agree with that. And the other one is Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose should be on that list if injuries weren't a thing. Yeah, and if he would, I mean, obviously, if he didn't have his injuries, he'd be, I mean, honestly, he'd be up there in, you know, top point guards of all time. If he had that many years of dominance, dude was unstoppable. And it's like one of the most light players in the NBA for sure. Yeah, he'd definitely be on that list if that wasn't the case. Exactly. All right, moving on to our next topic, we now have Trevor Portchop Bonnetson with us now. Trevor, are you ready to talk some NFL? Oh, yeah. I think uh, next time I could chime in on some NBA topics. Listening to you guys, I think I could have had some input on some things like the Wolves. But, yeah, I'm ready to talk some NFL. All right, perfect. Well, the NFL season is going, I think this season is going along faster than any season that I remember. It's so freaking quick. It's like... We're already we're, in the middle of the year. I mean, we're already at week eight. It's, it's like, insane. We're at week eight already, and I mean, we're getting we're getting down to playoff implications. Uh, kind of talking about some games this week. Obviously, Thursday night football. Um, when this will be put out, it'll be tonight. Um, Thursday night football against Packers Cardinals is a huge matchup. It's not as big now with all the stuff that has been happening that we'll definitely talk about. Um, but what are some other games this week that really um surprised both of you? Or are you ready for? Um, I'm really excited for a game, uh, the Lions-Eagles, honestly. I think the Lions get the first win of the year. Um, personally, I think it's been a long time coming for Dan Campbell and that organization to get their first win this year, and the Eagles look like ba- They look like trash. Right yeah. now, Miles Sanders is out. Jalen Hurts looks terrible. I think Lions win that game outright, and I do think... The Lions are going to kind of have, turn it around a little bit this year. Um, I'm looking forward to Titans at Colts. Colts have been a very hot team as of late, and Titans have been as well. These two played, I think, three weeks ago, and it was in Tennessee. Um, the Colts kind of are sneaking their way back into this playoff picture. I think the Browns hold the seventh seed right now. The Colts started 0-3. They are, you know... Uh, Rodrigo blanket chip field goal away from being four and zero in these last four games. Um, so yeah, I like that one a lot. Another one, obviously Vikings Cowboys. I think this is a big statement game for the Vikings, especially if Dak plays. Hopefully he does. I want him to play. I want the Vikings to beat up on Dak when he's in there. Sunday night football. Kirk getting all weird on Halloween. Um, yeah, I think that's a huge one. Vikings got to. Big stretch ahead. This is going to be the biggest test so far this season. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Creepy Kirk Cousins getting out there, getting ready for it. Sunday Night Football, big primetime game for him. I think uh, that game is going to be really close. I think that's the game that I'm most excited for this year, or this seat, or this week, sorry. Um, I would say Packers Cardinals, but with all the Packers COVID injuries and everything happening this year, or this week especially, I mean, we got Devontae Adams out with this is a huge blow. People are already writing the Packers off just because of that, and they have good reason to. It's his favorite target by a mile. Um, and then to get worse of it, it's MVS is still on IR. Uh, Alan Lazard is also on the COVID list. Devontae Adams, or uh, David Bottieri is not going to play this week. You're missing the Preston Smith, or you're missing the Smith brothers. You're missing Jair Alexander, and Darnell Savage has a concussion. And Kevin King is questionable. 
Okay. Yeah. So that might be your three starting defensive players for in the secondary that are all out. It's going to be on Amos to have a big night against the Cards, and I think the Cards just have too a high power of an offense for them to do anything. And I honestly think, though, it could be a blowout game, or I could see it being one of those Thursday night boring games where it's like 17 to 10. Just a boring, boring game. <clears throat> I would I would really like to see it, you know, be a, a close game. I don't know. I just got a weird feeling about the game that it could be something where it's like if the Packers can go and store a first first drive touchdown and maybe gain some momentum early, they could make it a game somehow. It's like the Cardinals really they're made I mean, they're really only injury. It's I mean, D Hop is questionable to play right now, but he'll probably will play. And J.J. Watt is not going to play, so that'll put let off a little bit for that uh, banged-up offensive line. But the Packers are just hurt right now. And they're at a place right now, if they would have had, I mean, all of their players to start off, I mean, they I mean, think they'd still have the same record. But I think, it's, I think it's looking up for them just for the fact that, you know, you get everybody back and you can get back to that high-powered offense and that defense that has been holding up relatively good this year. If you can match both of those. I think it would be good, but I would definitely take Cardinals in this game. I just have a weird feeling that the Packers are somehow going to win this game. Rodgers is just going to put the whole team on his back. They're going to let up a lot of points, but they're also going to score a lot of points. I, I'm i just not really sold on the Cardinals yet. Something about Kyler Murray dancing around in the backfield. He's a young quarterback. Like They're 7-0, and but I don't see them making it very far in the playoffs for some reason. They're just last year they started six and three and finished eight and eight. I just think the Cardinals are could drop off here soon, and I think it could start Thursday night against the Packers. Uh, going along with that, I mean you're a Vikings made field goal from them being six and one, and then they played terrible against yeah. the 49ers. They played absolutely terrible. They ended up winning that game by seven, but I don't think I, I agree with you. I don't think they are as good as everybody's saying they are to be. I think they've gotten very lucky, and I think they're continually getting lucky. Like they did beat the Rams by seventeen, but I think the Rams are kind of like on cloud nine after beating the Bucks the week before that because you know the Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. So I think that the Cardinals were kind of just caught them by surprise in that game. But, yeah, they haven't really had a tough schedule. Like you said, the Vikings were a missed field goal away from beating them. Their defense is better than last year, but I still don't love them. I also think they don't really have a uh, – they don't have a running game. They don't have that distinguished running game. Yes, they have a crazy amount of weapons on you know, the receiving core, but I think with no run game – against a team come later in the year, it's going to hurt them. You look at every team that has good success, 95% of them have that distinguished number one guy to run the ball. It looks like the Cardinals, they have two or three. They got Kyler Murray to scramble for his yards. They got Chase Edmonds, and they got James Conner. And I think if you're fluctuating three different people that are getting rushing yards... It's not a good it's not a good look. It's not going to be long-term success and I think that is a possibility for them on losing some games. 
They don't have that power back that could get them that first down if it's fourth and inches. You don't want to do Kyler Murray with a sneak. Kyler Murray's not big enough for a, for a quarterback sneak. You take a guy like Josh Allen, if that if he's on that offense, yeah, quarterback sneak it all the way, he's big enough for it. Kyler Murray is that guy that's going to dance around. And I think in the long run, too, for him, that could be bad. He could be taking some shots out when he's dancing around. Maybe he's on a wet field one of these times. He slips, tears his knee, in, no, tears his knee up or something. That Honestly, if he goes, that team goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this game could either be kind of a Cardinals blowout or a sneaky Packers win. On paper, the Cardinals should dominate this game with all the injuries and whatnot going on for the Packers. But I just got that weird feeling the Packers could sneak one out here and upset the Cardinals on the road, um, making the Cardinals be 7-1. and one. I think it's interesting, too. It's, it's a short week. It's a short week for both of them. You know, Thursday night football games have always been known not to be as good as a Sunday night game. But I don't know. I have a weird feeling about this game. I have a feeling it's either going to be a blowout in one either direction or it's going to be one of these, like, really boring, no offense, nothing can get going kind of games. And if it's like that, then maybe that's the best chance for the Packers if it's, you know, one of those terrible, terrible games for both offenses that – they get lucky at the in late in the fourth quarter, and they get a, a touchdown or an interception, get a turnover, do something, get a turnover on downs, something that can kind of just change the direction of the game a little bit. Because I do think the Cardinals have the better team right now going into the week with all the injuries. Right. Yeah, I think I I definitely think that it, there's an op- opportunity for it to be a close game, but the Packers really need to come out strong, and they need to be able to get good stops on defense. In order for Aaron Rodgers to do Aaron Rodgers type things, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Jones is obviously still going to be a factor. He's going to be somebody to watch. He's going to be somebody that could play more wide receiver position. And then A.J. Dillon is going to be more of a halfback this game. And hopefully if they can keep a running game going and then find those weapons on offense, uh, throwing it to Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones, and then like Equidamia St. Brown, uh, Stanley does have a slight chance to come back this week. If that would, If he would come back, that would be huge for them. Um, but it's an outside chance. I really, it's really going to be a tough game, and it's. I think it could be a good one, bud. And the Cardinals' secondary isn't that great. I'm not really worried about the Packers' offense. I'm more worried about their defense with the injuries in their secondary. Like, the, Kyler Murray and the receiving core has been the big storyline from them this year. Yeah, their defense has improved, but Kyler Murray's playing at MVP level. I think if they can... I don't know who's out, Jair Alexander and Kevin King and who else? Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. So you have Stokes in there. Yeah, it's a depleted secondary. Yeah, you have Stokes, you have Rashawn. They got to make some big stops. They got to get Cardinals in third and long situations, I think. You know what team I am excited for for the rest of the year just to watch? What's up? Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. They took last week. And they stomped the Ravens. And everybody has been jumping on the Ravens bandwagon because of Lamar Jackson and how great he is. The Bengals made him look like child, like children last week. And it's I love it. You got a guy in Jamar Chase who couldn't catch a ball in preseason because 
It didn't look like the NCAA college football that he's used to, and he's proving everyone wrong. Yeah, and they say that he had a drop problem in the preseason. Like, I don't know what that was about. He's, I think he's second in receiving yards right now. He's just been going off. He's probably going to break Justin Jefferson's record the year after he broke it for most receiving yards by a rookie. But I think the Bengals are the most surprising team this year. They like, definitely I had are. them going 3-14. and 14. I don't know why I had that. I, Joe Burrow was supposed to be kind of – he tore his ACL last year. I don't. He was supposed to be banged up still. Their offensive line was supposed to be horrible. And I guess they get Joe Mixon back. Jamar Chase is in there. They got a good receiving core. I think they're just the most consistent team in the AFC. Like, they have a solid defense, and they have a, you know, subpar offense that can – win win these games for them like you look at some of these teams like the Ravens and like the Chargers look at that game Ravens Chargers last week like if the Chargers offense isn't booming their defense can't really keep them in the game so that's why it was like a blowout because if the Ravens defense shut them down just a little bit and that's not working for them with their game plan then it's just like the whole operation gets busted up so I think the Bengals are just consistent. I honestly think the Bengals, the Ravens, and right now the Chargers are the top three offenses in the AFC. And all of them have the same problem on defense. They're okay defensive a team. None of them have that spectacular Buccaneers defense of last year. Like, nobody has that. But they those guys can all put up 50 on anybody. But it's really if ball is going the right way for you like Joe Burrow I think this year kind of solidified himself as that guy that everybody was hyping up in the draft two years ago and I have a feeling that getting a guy that he's comfortable and he's played with and he's thrown the ball to countless times in college I think that's more beneficial than them if they would have went out and got an offensive lineman like everyone was projecting them to I think getting Jamar Chase really helped Joe Burrow develop his game, especially coming back from injury, but also allowing him to feel comfortable enough to sling a ball out there and let his receiver make the play. I think last year he was trying so hard not to make a mistake that this year he's kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. Jamar Chase is down there. I'm just going to sling it. Let's play like how we did in, at LSU. And I think that's benefiting him. Right, all right. So we'll kind of take a look at what the playoffs, if the playoffs ended today, we're nearing the halfway point through the NBA or NFL season, uh, what it would kind of look like in the AFC starting off. Uh, we would have the Bengals right now with the first round bye and having the overall first overall seed. Um, Raiders were sitting at two. Uh, Titans would be at three. Bills, four. Ravens 5, and they're on that downslope that dropped four spots since last week, losing to the Bengals. Uh, the Chargers at 6, and then the Browns at 7. Is there anything that is, I mean, that's kind of a surprising uh, surprising lineup right there. Uh, what is the most surprising out of that? The AFC is just all over the place right now. Like, the Bengals and Raiders are the 1 and 2 seeds. Like, if you would have asked me that in the off season through <laughs> seven weeks, who would be the top two seeds? Someone said Bengals and Raiders. I'd be absolutely shocked. I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. They yeah. lost, you know, they'd look so dominant 
I guess the Chiefs game on Sunday night doesn't look as spectacular after the, what the Titans just did to them, but they look so dominant. They lose a close game on the road against the Titans, which easily could have gone to overtime if they just kicked the field goal there. I think they're still the best team. Um, I think second and third would be toss-up between Bengals and Titans right now. Still kind of think the Ravens are going to win that division, but who knows? I mean, Bengals, I think, are still surprising a lot of people, and they got a big test coming up. They got a few big tests coming up. They got well, the Jets this week should be a win. And they have the Browns, who the Browns were predicted to win that division this year by a lot of people. And they got the Steelers, um, the Raiders. So they got they got some tests coming up. But I would still say Ravens would be probably my two sides. I would go Bills, Ravens, Titans right now and chargers i think the afc west is kind of a mess a little bit yeah like what you're talking about the bills i think the bills right now they're, they're sitting at four and two however they have an easy schedule coming up they play dolphins jaguars jets right there they're gonna be seven and two and they're not gonna just beat them by you know 10 points they're gonna just throttle them exactly before. that's what they do good they don't let teams stick around like you know Packers and Vikings and some of those other teams I do agree though I think I don't think the Raiders I don't think the Raiders stay at the head of that um at the, of the AFC West I think the Chargers win that outright I think the Raiders start to fall off come you know week 10 um I think Bengals are for sure gonna make it this year I don't think that they're gonna win the division but also at the same time I could see a team like the Colts kind of sneaking in there yeah definitely i really like the colts colts got kind of a favorable schedule coming up easy division too you have texans and jaguars in that division and they only have to play the titans one more time like i don't even know if the chiefs will make the playoffs this year like it it, you have the patriots in there i don't really think the steelers are going to make much noise the browns have looked i mean i think the top six right now are like gonna make it unless the raiders fall off again I don't know. It's going to get interesting down the stretch. I don't. I wouldn't count out the Patriots, Colts. I think. I think there's only like eleven of these teams that could potentially make it. But yeah, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't be for sure on the Chiefs. They have not looked good. They do not look like a top half of the team, even the right or top half of the NFL right now. Okay. When is when do we when do we write off the Chiefs? When is it too early to write off the Chiefs? When's They're, their Nets hard matchup? I mean, they're they're three and four right now. Yeah, the thing is, like, how can you write them off really yet? Because they have lost to like you know really good teams. But at some yeah. point, you gotta start thinking. So they have the Packers in two weeks. Yeah, they I think the they Giants beat the Giants week. on Monday night. I mean, you probably write them off if they lose to the Giants on Monday night. But I don't see that happening. Um, yeah. They, Packers, kind of, they have a tough Raiders, schedule, though. Cowboys, yeah. yeah, they really do. It goes Packers, and then, you know, the Raiders aren't a joke. You got Raiders the Cowboys. Raiders beat them once last year, too. Broncos, who are okay this year. Raiders again. Then you go Chargers and Steelers, Bengals. They have a tough schedule coming up, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't look the pa- like the Patrick Mahomes that we all have known. So I... Is it almost too early to hit the panic button and maybe make a move? Maybe get rid of a guy like Tyreek Hill. Maybe get rid of a guy like Travis Kelsey to to booster that defense just enough that you're not relying 
only on one guy to make make or break your season. And if he goes out, you're done. Right. Well, who are they paying big on defense? Is Patrick Mahomes just making all their money now that they can't make any? I know they really went hard on their offensive line, which doesn't look that much improved. It looks better, but nothing crazy. Their defense just its horrible. And they don't have a run game. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire makes that team that much better. They're just really predictable right now. Like, they... This isn't going to be like an AFC this year that's going to be, oh, you can go 9-8 and eight and make the playoffs. I really don't think it's going to be like that. I think you're going to have to be 11-6, and six, at worst 10-7, and seven, and the Chiefs are 3-4, and four, and they got tough games ahead. I don't know. If they, if they do get in, you can never count them out, obviously. Yeah, they have arguably the best quarterback in the league. You can never really truly count them out, but just looking at the salary cap that I have pulled up right here, um, they have two guys that are making about eighteen million dollars or fourteen and eighteen million dollars that are on their defense, and after that, it's all offensive players. Every single one after that is offensive players. So when you have that much money invested into your offense. If your offense doesn't perform to what you think your offense is going to perform to, you're screwed. I think that's why if you were to to make that trade, get rid of a guy like Kelsey. I mean, he's 30-some years old. You get rid of a guy like Tyreek Hill. You bring in somebody that is not making a crazy amount of money but can make a huge impact on your defense right away. I think they turn this whole season turns around for them because their defense just doesn't look like – a good defense mm-hmm. and maybe Patrick Mahomes has been not playing good this year maybe he did get a little overpaid early I mean he's making a l- large majority not majority but he's making a ton of that salary cap money and if he doesn't have he has weapons kind of but if he shut down Kelsey and Hill it's like it's not like Pringle and McCole Hardman are good receivers no, they're good enough when Kelsey and Hill are having a good game and then get doubled in the fourth quarter. Those right. guys are good enough to make that 30, 40-yard catch every once in a while, but they're not somebody you're going to throw to 12 times a game at all. Right. And the fact that you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or whatever his name is, out, right now they don't really have a rush game either. They have Williams, who's he's he's a decent enough backup, but he's not a crazy, outstanding, game-changing kind of guy. All right, perfect. Now, I mean, obviously, like we said, the AFC is somebody something that we can definitely watch. I'm not ready to write off the Chiefs just for the fact that this AFC is nuts. I mean, there's just, I mean, you got, like you said, the Bengals and the Raiders that are up top right now. And there could be a lot of shifting yet. I mean, the Chiefs could easily go on a streak and they could win some games. Um, just knowing the talent that they have with that offense, especially their defense would need to step up in order for them to do that. But now it kind of dip into the NFC. Uh, this one isn't as surprising. Uh, we got Arizona Cardinals with the one seed. Obviously, they're the undefeated team right now. Um, we got Bengals at two. Packers at three, winning that NFC North. Cowboys at four. Uh, Rams at five, Saints at six, and Vikings sneaking in at that seven seed. Yeah, I'm look. I think the four division winners. I think we can all agree. Okay, 
Maybe not, actually. The Cardinals and Rams could go kind of either way. Right. It really depends at the how the rest of the year shapes up. But Bucks, Packers, Cowboys, those are probably the division winners. For Especially sure, Cowboys in, and yeah, Bucks. Yeah, the Cowboys for sure. I mean, the NFC East is terrible yeah. right now. They have like a five or three-game lead already. Right. I think the Bucks kind of – I think they're going to win it. The only team that I could see making a push is going to be the Atlanta Falcons. They started to turn their season around. I don't think the Saints are a 4-2 and two team. I don't think they're that good. I think the the Falcons, though, however, they are making a push. They have a big divisional game this week against the Panthers, which is pretty crucial when you're at your midseason kind of right now. They're sitting at 500. You get a crucial win in your division. You get up to above 500. And you hope the Saints lose, honestly, this week against the Buccaneers. Falcons got an easy schedule coming up, but they've also already had an easy schedule. Like, they just have an easy schedule. They get to play the NFC East and the AFC East this year. I don't like the Falcons. They've, you know, they've only had really one tough game. They got blown out by the Eagles and beat the Giants, lost to the Washington football team, beat the Jets and barely beat the Dolphins who Jets are one and six Dolphins are one and six Giants are two and five you know the one thing about the Falcons though is I think they're finally finding their identity they're finally using Kyle Pitts the way Kyle Pitts is supposed to be used Kyle Pitts is going to be a star in this league for years to come and I honestly think they're finally getting over that hump however though they have Panthers Saints Cowboys those are all crucial games those are must-win games and then you kind of get a little bit easier you go Patriots Jaguars but then you go back to the Bucks and those are the games that if you sneak out a couple victories when you're not when the team isn't expecting it that's beneficial for them if they want to make a run but I don't know I don't count the Falcons out just because they have a decent enough team to make some noise however they're relying on too many out- other outcomes, I think. They're relying on the Saints to screw up. They're relying on the Vikings to screw up. You know, they're kind of relying on just a lot of things that they can't control right now. Honestly, I don't like the F- Falcons team very much at all, but I do like their schedule, which could definitely – I mean, they have easy – I wish the Vikings had the schedule. Like, it is easy. They have a – easy division kind of too like the saint i don't really think the saints are all that great um yeah i think the wild cards like i said i don't think the saints are that great i think the top five are kind of set the vikings i the vikings really should not have a problem sneaking into the playoffs here's the thing with the vikings is like you can either you know they have the cowboys at ravens at chargers home against the Packers. You can either be satisfied with splitting these games and being 5 and 5 and you know, going finishing 9 and 8, getting the last wild card, losing first round. I think the Vikings got to win 3 of these next 4 or 4 of these next 4. If I mean, why just make the playoffs and get the 7th seed again and lose right away? I think Zimmer's job is lost at that point. Like the Vikings I think these next four games are going to tell the story of, like, all these, a lot of people's futures. Like, they need to win three of these next four. They need to solidify themselves as a contender. And really, 
there's no reason they can't sneak up to the Packers and make a run for that division. I like they arguably, need to. They have too much talent on that team just to sneak in as a seven seed at nine and eight. And arguably, too, they are a controversial fumble call, a missed field goal away from being five and one right now. And if they're five and one at this point in time, the Packers are six and one. It could be up in the air. And I, like I said, you know, the Packers have a tough, tough game this week. Same with the Vikings. However, if the the Vikings can pull out a statement win against the Cowboys, I think at that point in time, you drop one to the Chargers or Ravens. You do. I think that's just how it works. Yeah, I think the Ravens, I could see more. I think there'll probably be more Vikings fans at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers than there will be Chargers fans. Exactly. But I think then matching up against the Packers – if you're if you guys if the Vikings can get the, those victories and they match up against the Packers roughly or kind of around the same record, that's going to be a huge game. It's in Minnesota. I could see the Vikings pulling that one out and overtaking the Packers for that the NFC North right now. Like I think the Vikings for sure make the playoffs. Like unless the Falcons win a lot of these games. The Bears don't really scare me at all. Panthers, 49ers. 49ers are probably the scariest team that are not in the playoff picture right now. I think they could get it going. Russell Wilson, I think when he comes back, they're going to be too in too rough a shape with still a tough road ahead. The Vikings are going to make the playoffs most likely, but it's like, what are you going to do once you get there? Are you going to be a seven seed and have to play the Bucks on the road and lose right away? Or can you sneak up to a six seed or win the division, win some impressive regular season games, and have some confidence going into some of these playoff games. They have the team to do it. They just need to. They gotta make some. I don't know. They gotta make some field goals at the end. I don't know what, exactly what they gotta do, but it starts this Sunday against the Cowboys. The Vikings are gonna have to, like you said, they're gonna have to push up. I mean, they're gonna have to get a better. I mean, they can't sit at a seven seed to make that playoffs. I don't think with that team. Um, you're there's just a lot of talent within that NFC and like you said, it's like they could make a push for the division. Um, they have a very tough schedule. I mean, so do the Packers as well. And I don't see any threat from the Bears for making any sort of push for that playoff spot. And obviously the Lions will not. Um but I think that's one of the most interesting teams to me, uh, within that NFC playoff picture so far. All right, so now we're trying to move on to something next here. Um, to talk about some MVP or midseason MVP awards, uh, as well as some other awards throughout the lead. So who would you guys have picked? Let's go with the first one, the big one. Let's go for the midseason MVP right now. Um, for me, I have Kyler Murray. Uh, I think he's right now the front runner for MVP. And then I have a guy like Dak Prescott. Honestly, I think those two right now are probably in the best position with team record, with stats, and with everything. But then my third one, my, I don't know. It really depends on how everything finishes out for the rest of the year, but it's Josh Allen. Josh Allen is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I think he could make a good enough case to win MVP over a guy like Prescott, over a guy like Murray, even if both the Cowboys and the Cardinals have a better record than him. But if we're moving on to, like, Rookie of the Year, 
I think it's obvious it's Jamar Chase. I don't. The only person that even is close to him would be the Mac Jones. And if Mac Jones wants to steal that from him, I think Mac Jones has to go on a tear. I think they have to make the playoffs. I think he has to throw for about four hundred or four thousand yards and forty touchdowns, kind of vibe, kind of like Justin Herbert did last year and stole it away from Justin Jefferson. Because otherwise, I just I don't think anyone comes close to Jamar Chase. And finally, Defensive Player of the Year, I think, okay, it's obviously going to be everyone's thinking right now is Travion Diggs. I mean, the dude has a pick every single game this year. But at the same time, he's let up a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns that I feel like a lot of people kind of just overlook just because of the fact that he has all these picks. But I don't know. It kind of it's interesting to me, but you take a guy like Miles Garrett, you take a guy like TJ Watt, you take a guy like Aaron Donald, who are always there and have consistently always been there, and I think that they could overtake Travion Diggs pretty easily in a race like that. I'm looking at it like so we get an extra game this year. I think a lot of these like awards should be like credited to like some of these players if they break records or not like I think the sack record is 22 and a half if I'm not mistaken Miles Garrett is on pace to beat that by a couple sacks at the end of the year so I think it depends if Trayvon Diggs continues to get a pick every game I think you got to go with him but Miles Garrett would probably be my second place right now for defense offensively Derrick Henry, like, he's on pace to break the record, too. He's got 10 touchdowns as well. Like, he could finish with 25 touchdowns, 2,100 yards, and he probably still will not get it because it's a QB award. Derrick Henry is doing insane things right now, and he's, what is he, he's 27. I I really like Derrick Henry. Like, he should be a front runner, but he's not even getting talked about because it's a QB award. Obviously, you got to mention Kirk Cousins' name in here. Right, obviously. He's got – he is actually playing really good football. Like, if his name is not Kirk Cousins, I think he'd be top five in this MVP race right now. A lot of people probably don't even put him in the top ten. 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, 105 passer rating, and 69% completion percentage. Kyler Murray – is is you know he's he's up the list. I thought it was actually closer, <laughs> but he's got a one sixteen passer rating and is on a seven and seven and zero squad. But hey, if Kirk can lead his team out of this little hole they're in, I think he should be considered. But Derrick Henry for me should be a guy that should be looked at a lot more for an MVP. Yeah, I think when we talked about MVP and stuff, it's obviously a you know relatively quarterback award. Derrick Henry was in the conversation last year. Uh, well, he should have been in the conversation last year. He wasn't in the top three, um, and he should be this year. I think right now it's like if I'm going off of MVP and stats right now, I think Derrick Henry has it for me right now. Um, I don't think it's somebody that I can you know, project to actually get it next or the, after the end of this year. I think Kyler Murray is definitely going to be a part of it. Uh, just watching watching team success, too, I think Tom Brady should be in the conversation again. Yeah, I was just going to bring him up. And 21 like, touchdowns, three interceptions. Right, and he's leading right now in passing yards. So, 
I mean, he's definitely got to be up there, too. I look at somebody like Matthew Stafford on that team. Matthew Stafford is somebody that's very good as well. Um, For the other ones that we mentioned, too, I think right now, I mean, offensive, I think offensive player of the year is definitely Jamar Chase. Um, He's just blowing up this year, and he's going to be something really special. And I really think that the Bengals will hold this momentum that they got going on. They could be a scary team in the playoffs. Um, And then for defensive player of the year, I'm thinking I'm definitely going with Miles Garrett, I think. I think Trayvon Diggs can definitely get it. Um, but he's somebody too. It's like what you said, Matt. He's he's really good with the interceptions, but he let up he lets up a lot of yards. He's not a crazy lot down corner. He's already he's always on the ball and the ball hawking is really good. But it's like when I'm looking at lot down corners, it's like I could name other players that I think are better lot down corners than he is right now. Um but that is just my opinion. But yeah, I think I think that M V P spot will be definitely something to watch. Uh, as we go out throughout the season, um, it's it's really starting to uh, you know pan out like we said, like the NFL season is starting to get where we're thinking about, like where the teams are going to be placed at, um, in the NFC anyway. The AFC is just crazy right now, so um, that's something that we have to watch out through the rest of the year. I think also uh, something to mention is if Dak Prescott wins MVP, he's also guaranteed comeback player of the year right yes exactly. and that would be the probably the first time i think in nfl history that someone's ever won mvp and comeback player of the year in the same year and he's very capable of being that i think he's kind of already solidified himself as probably the comeback player of the year regardless so he's at least going to get a award however i don't know in long-term success throughout the whole year if he's going to be able to keep what he's doing right now going i really like dak i think He's playing like a top five quarterback this year. I've been really impressed with Dak. Like he's probably impressed me the most, just considering the injuries coming off of, and what he's done with this Cowboys team. They're almost matched their win total from last year already. I just think like Derek. If you're looking, there's a reason it's a quarterback award. A qu- quarterback's the most valuable player on a team, but if you take Derek Henry, Derek Henry away from the Titans. I don't think they're good at all. Like, no, yeah, they have yeah. two good receivers, but their defense is horrible. They, I think, uh, Tannehill, eh, he, he's a solid quarterback, but if I you think take Derrick Henry away, it's... I think the crazy stat, though, for Derrick Henry is he leads the league in rushing this year with 869 yards. Number two is Jonathan Taylor at 579. He is almost, He is 290 yards ahead of of the next closest person. He's just running. He's completely running away with the award. However, I know that it will never translate to him winning. I mean, in the last 10 years, how many times has someone other than a quarterback won it? One time? Once with AP. Adrian Peterson, and that's almost because he broke that record. Which was surprising because Peyton Manning, that's the thing. If Derrick Henry breaks the, the season rushing record, I think it's 2,105 yards. I think it's yeah, 2,105 or seven. Yeah. If he breaks that, how can you not give him the MVP? You know, like how? I don't get it either. Honestly, it's it's crazy to me because he's on pace to not only break it, but he could shatter it. He could. He's a guy that 
probably could be the first guy in NFL history to ever run for 2,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. And I think last year, what, he had 2,000 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns or something like that? And he wasn't even in the top three for voting, which is incredible to look at because it's, if you think about it, 2,000 yards rushing is not something that's easily done. You take a guy like, no offense to Aaron Rodgers, but he threw for 4,600 yards and 48 touchdowns. That can be done by a quarterback every single year. Rushing for 2,000 yards, that's impressive. All right, moving on to our last segment of the show here today. Uh, We're going to pit some NFL games. We're going to pit five NFL games coming up this season. We're going to make, or this week, and we're going to make their pits on them. So obviously the first one we're going to make happening Thursday night football, primetime game. Packers versus Cardinals. Packers with a banged-up team in Arizona right now with a team that's averaging 32 points per game, which is uh, hasn't happened in Cardinals history since 1948. What do you guys got in this one? Cardinals. I have the Cardinals by, like I said, I think the, the this game could be a blowout or this game could be a seven-point victory if just a terrible defensive or a terrible offensive game. So it would be 17-10. to 10. I think the Cardinals win it. Outright only, pretty much. Score prediction? 17-10. Wow. Um, for the show, I think I'm going to pick the Packers. Because I think, I don't know, Ryan Ryan may say the Packers. But I'm going to say Packers oh, yeah. in an upset. I'll say 27-23 Packers. 27-23? Well, that is a ballsy pick. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not going to do that in my ESPN pigskin pick them this <laughs> week, but I, I will say it for this show. I, I could definitely see the Packers with an upset here. I would love to say that I could. I really, I think that the Packers, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers back there, I've seen him pull off games like this, not quite at this you know height, but we've had games when we've been injured and we come out and we beat teams like this. I'm going to go with Cardinals, though. Cardinals, though, I'm going to say 24 to 17. I think it's going to be relatively close. Um, I have a free, I think that the Packers will come out uh, come out firing. They might get a couple touchdowns. And then after that point, we might let our foot off the gas like we were usually really good at doing this year and uh, let them come back in, and that's going to be something you can't do against this team. So that's something that I definitely think could happen. All right, next one, uh, we got Titans and Colts. Uh, Titans and Colts. Uh, this one is at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, obviously, we talked about David uh, David Hen- or Derrick Henry this year, um, averaging 119 rushing yards per game in six games as a starter, and as well as the Colts with uh, Jonathan Taylor running all over the team. So, uh, who do you guys got in this one? Um. Okay. So I was looking at the at actually at the betting odds for this game, and right now the Titans are actually the underdog which is very surprising to me. Um, I think, personally, Titans run away with this one. And it's all going to be because of Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry has a 200-yard game, three touchdown. I honestly think this game could be a possibly a high-scoring game as well. Kind of a little bit of a shootout because I, I think it's going to come back. It's going to come down to the running game. I mean, I, I believe Carson Wentz and Ryan Tannehill are both the same when it comes to how good they are as quarterbacks. So I'm going to say the Titans right now, they're going to win this one 31 to about 24. I'm going to go with 
the Colts. It seems like these two always kind of split each year. And the Titans seem to, like, always have a – they'll, like, look really hot, but then they'll lose a weird game. And I think the Colts have looked really good as of late. They're at home. I I just see the Colts kind of sneaking away with a win here. I think the Titans kind of get shut down a little bit. Derrick Henry, I think he'll still rush for, like, 110 yards. But I think the Colts win this one. Um I'll go 23-20 Colts. This is a hard one to pick for. Um, I'm going to go with the Colts here too, actually. Um, I think Derrick Henry is obviously going to be a big factor in this, but I also think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a huge factor in this. Um, Both of these teams have defenses that are relatively in the middle of the pack or uh, in the bottom half of the lead. Uh, Tennessee Titans has um, quite a bit of lower defense than the Colts do. Um, I just think the Colts uh, will be able to. I think Carson Wentz um, might be able to outplay Tannehill in this game. Um, but this is definitely going to be a close game. I'm going to go with this game being uh, 28-21 in favor of the Colts in this one. All right. Next game that we got on the docket is Steelers versus Browns. Oh, this is a terrible game. Yeah? It is a terrible game. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking Browns win it, personally. I don't think it's a good game at all. I think it's a very low-scoring game. Like, I'm thinking 21-10 Cleveland, honestly. I just don't <laughs> like this game this week. Yeah, this is a tough. Is Nick Chubb back is... Nick Baker Chubb is, Mayfield back. Baker's out. Chubb is back, but he's not going to get 100% of the snaps, supposedly. Baker's out? Baker's out. He's on IR. Really? I don't know. I kind of want to say Steelers. This division's kind of weird. Like, I don't think the Steelers are – have these two teams played, or has it just been Steelers and Bengals? Um, I, I don't, don't think they've played yet this year. I don't think the Steelers are just going to lose against every team. I'm going to go Steelers. I'll go Steelers 21-17. I think the Steelers could go in there and get a win. I don't think the Browns are just going to keep winning with Case Keenum. That's huge for the Browns. I really thought they'd be really good this year. But Baker's hurt. Baker was playing like trash before that anyways. So. It's gonna be, this is really going to be a, this is a tough team to pit too because – I think, I mean, if you have Nick Chubb, a limited Nick Chubb coming back, is him and Dearness Johnson be able to going to be able to run against a front line like the Steelers do have? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Steelers on this one too. I'm gonna go actually 17 to 13, a goofy little score. I think this is probably gonna be a low-scoring game. This is gonna be an interesting one. Two great defensive fronts. Um, but I think the Steelers can pull this one out against the Browns. Um, the Steelers haven't really – Steelers are an odd team this year too. I mean, they're kind of jumping around. There's a lot of questions about Big Ben, but I think they pull this one out. Um, another game that I'm looking excited – I'm excited uh, to watch this week is uh, Lions versus Eagles. This is at Ford Field. Uh, Lions get a victory. I'm uh, predicting it. Uh, I think Lions come out, especially after how they played last week against the Rams. I mean, they score on the first drive, 
They do a weird thing that nobody ever does. Onside kick. Get it. Go down. You score. You're up 10 nothing on them. And then they pull out the stops. They do fake punts. They do all this stuff. And they actually kept that game interesting for a while. And honestly, I think the Lions win this one just because the Eagles are terrible right now. Probably 24 to about 17. I mean, they got to get a win eventually, right? I, this is probably one that they can get or the Falcons later on in the year. Um, well, honestly, the way they've been looking, they can get one on any given Sunday. But I think Lions in this one, I'll go 27 to 21. I think the Lions, as I think Lions get their first big dub this week. I think it's going to be something where Jalen Hurts is just going to be scrambling. They had Miles Sanders. They didn't use him. Now they lost him. Now they're going to be looking for him, and they didn't use him. So screw you, Eagles, for not using him on my fantasy team. Um, I'm going Lions big here. I'm going by 14 points. I think that the Lions will win 24-10. I'm going 24-10. In favor of the Lions, they get their first big win, and I will be very happy for that. You think they're favored in this game? They're not. They are not. Really? How? They're plus I mean, three and a half right now. I understand how because they're 0-7, but I feel like a lot of people think Lions win this game. First one of the year. And finally, the last game of the week that we will be picking. Obviously, we got to do this one. Cowboys versus Vikings on Sunday Night Football on Spooky Halloween with Spooky Kirk Cousins. Uh, Dallas right now leads the NFL in points per game and total yards per game this season. Obviously, I'm going with Spooky Kirk Cousins. I think I think Spooky Kirk is gonna go off. I think this one. I think it's a statement win. I think it's a close game, but I think it's a statement win. I'm thinking 31-28, high scoring, shootout kind of vibe, but Kirk Cousins gets the win. I like that score prediction. I was gonna use that one too. I think Kirk's gonna be he's gonna play with a chip on his shoulder because he can't go out and go Halloween or trick or treating with his kids. So I think he's gonna <laughs> come in pumped up. Um Dak Dak's not in good shape right now. So if even if he plays, well if they if he doesn't play, I think the Vikings should win by two touchdowns. But if he plays, Vikings are like tied for first in the league right now in sacks. I think they could get after Dak, really get in his head. I'll say 31-24 Vikings. Both are going with the Vikings here. Um, I think if Dak is playing, and he's supposed to play, isn't he? Or is he questionable right now? He's supposed to play, but they're being cautious with it. They haven't really given an like a official injury report just because they have so much time. It's I mean it's a late yep. game that they don't really have to come out with it right now. I do think though that they, it's gonna be something that comes out I believe on like Friday or Saturday, kind of one of those late scratches. But he is expected to play. Okay, I think this is gonna be an extremely close game. This will be a fantastic Sunday night football game. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys, twenty-four to twenty-three. Vikings will have a chance to win it with three seconds left, and Dred Joseph will miss a game-winning field goal, and that is how it will end. Sunday night on Halloween with spooky Kurt Cousins with his kids watching in the stands. All right, this concludes 
Week one, episode one of Close the Playbook podcast from Trevor Porchop Bonnetson, Matthew Matty Ice Trader, and Ryan Michelson. We say so long and hope you listen next week.